Welcome to the sixth episode of Demol Belgium Germany recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who has sworn to me on every dairy product going that he doesn't know who the mole is, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I actually said this to you because we were um, we were having a little chat last night. Uh, I said this to you that this episode, I think, was a really good one. It's just a bit of an odd ending. Me an odd ending and that like 55 to 60% of the pot has, is gone and we're almost at the end of the season? Yeah, the thing is, I'm not going to moan about it as much as I moaned about the stupid, stupid train twist in, uh, in Czechia earlier in the year, purely because it fits thematically and it has that Belgian twist that at least salvages it slightly. But I will say this now, if Lena is the mole... There will be questions asked at the end of this season by me as to how they could let that happen. Well, I mean, the thing is that last season we had a very similar twist. Uh, granted, it happened at the very beginning of the game where Bart lost. How much did Bart cost the group? 7,500 euros? 10,500 it was. Oh, 10,500, yeah. To start out the game, and then everyone thought, well, he can't be the mole for sure. So we have something very similar happen here, where Leonard costs the group ten thousand. So it makes you wonder if anybody was uh, was assuming that he's the mole, did he just throw everyone off his trail by doing that? I think the difference between the Bart version and the Leonard version is that Bart did it right at the start of the season, so Alina could combat it as mole. So Alina didn't really do much sabotage in the first episode as a result of Bart costing the group ten and a half thousand euros. Whereas there are two episodes left, and if Lena isn't the mole, the mole really doesn't have much time to not do much sabotage to then to then at least claw back some of that ten thousand euros. It's the placement more than anything that I think could screw this twist more than the actual twist. Yeah, it's very interesting either way because I think the players are probably are probably as well. We saw the reaction; everyone just seemed offended and just trying to understand why Leonard's would cost so such a high percentage of the pot. So previously, the final six were woken by a yodeler before becoming the stars of his new music video all about Dem Molverf. Sven couldn't play his horn and Lennart landed awkwardly, costing them 4,000 of the 6,000 euros on offer, before they were faced with a very special loved one's visit, separated by tents. They then faced off against the mole in a jigsaw race atop stand-up paddleboards on Sleersay, which the contestants lost, but it was Samina whose chances sank as she was the fifth person sent home. And we begin the episode with a history lesson on Germany and its division by Gilles, which is also playing through the car speakers. After World War II, the Allies split Germany into two, unlike in Roman times when Gaul was split with a pair of Caesars. On one side, the Bundesrepublik, West Germany. On the other, the DDR, East Germany. The border between them was also the border between capitalism and communism, between them were walls, mines, and barbed wire, giving it the nickname the Iron Curtain. And they all speculate whether the lecture is actually relevant. Sven, of course, being Sven, goes, No, I don't think it'll be relevant at all. <laughs> it's not like we're driving across the border for the first time into the former East Germany, and this might be the entire theme of the episode or something. Gilles is waiting for them at a part of the Berlin Wall. He says that people in the DDR live their lives with lots of very strict rules, so he's going to impose a rule for the entire episode. They cannot write anything down about the mole. He collects their mole books. If everyone follows the rule, they will earn 4,000 euros for the pot. 
and Yasmin speculates that they may get the option to look at each other's Mulvooks before the end of this episode. And the opening quote of the episode is JFK's infamous one, Ich bin ein Berliner. We even hear the audio for once. It's interesting that they chose that one, because quite famously JFK did say it, but also quite famously it is incorrect German. This is actually slightly highlighted in the next scene when they're talking about what Berlin reminds them of, because... Sven says a donut? Yeah, Sven says donuts, and I'm assuming you know that Ich bin ein Berliner is actually I am a donut, technically in German. Berliner is just the name for donuts from Berlin, basically. Yeah, but part of it's like a myth too, right? That didn't actually happen. Or people have have, uh, incorrectly remembered that story about JFK giving a speech, right? No, I think it's true, because we heard the audio. We heard him say, Ich bin ein Berliner. I'm pretty sure it's true. (laughs) Yeah, like he did say it, but I think it was... Like there's here's the wiki article here. Two thousand years ago, the proudest boast was Kivis Romanus Sum. I'm a Roman citizen. Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is Ich bin ein Berliner. All free men, wherever they may live, are citizens of Berlin, and therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words Ich bin ein Berliner. Yeah, here we go. The I am a donut urban legend. It's neither wrong to use it the way Kennedy did, nor was it. Yeah, we have that same line too. <laughs> it's neither wrong to use it the way Kennedy did, nor wasn't embarrassing. <laughs> Apparently it was a joke. A Berliner is a donut. The day after President Kennedy made his famous proclamation, Berlin cartoonists had a field day with talking donuts. <laughs> According to the nineteen eighty three novel Berlin Game. Therefore no Berliner would mistake Berliner for a donut. No, it's still funny though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we ruined the joke. <laughs> Basically one of the show notes is gonna have to be we ruin a good German joke. <laughs> So they are two weeks into the trip, and for the first time they are in the former East Germany on their way to Berlin. They then ask each other what Berlin reminds them of, and Philip says it reminds him of the underground, and a lotter of art and graffiti, and Sven of donuts. And Ron and Kelly, it reminds them of Baghdad. Because everything reminds them of Baghdad. And as disappointed as I am to say this, that is not the first time Logan has made that joke this week to me. (laughs) But it will be announced... Seven months apart. <laughs> You'll find out why, let's be honest, in November. Yeah, so I don't mind making the joke twice in the week of recording, but it's only going to air seven months apart, so I'm in the clear. So in the evening, they check into their accommodation, which is a loft in the centre of Berlin, and it is day 15 officially now. Yasmin dreamt that she did all the challenges and had to remember everything that needed writing down afterwards. Sven says he doesn't miss not being able to write anything, Analosa tries to get everyone to agree not to write anything down about the mold this episode, and they swear on the Leerdammer on the table. Yeah, they swear on the cheese. It's very sacred. It's one step above any sort of blood promise you make, is swearing on a pack of Leerdammer. Do it for the cheese! And in the first challenge, they have to find seven pieces of street art and photograph them around the streets of Berlin. They are split into two groups, with Yasmin, Lennart and Philip having four to find, and Sven, Anna Lotta, and Isidore the Dashund having three. And they have to photograph everything well, because they will be tested on it later. Yasmin says she has a fridge magnet of one of the pieces, which is the one of a kiss between Brezhnev and Hanukkah, which is at the Eastside Gallery. Jill meets them afterwards and tells them that they've been playing a simple game, Spot the Difference. All they've got to do to earn money is to circle the differences. However, there is a group of parkour athletes whose job it is to eliminate them from the game, and they really want to do that. 
Each difference that they spot will earn 500 euros for all the pots. Anna, Lotta and Sven are the first to leave. They have to find the differences in the three that they saw this morning. Their first picture is the elephant, and the others have a tablet with the photos that they took on it. Sven has a paintball gun to send the hunters back to the start, but there is another challenge to stop them even being released, a simple memory challenge in which Philip is currently playing. An attacker will be randomly colouring all the balls on a sheet in a row, and Philip has to remember and recreate them within the time. As soon as he makes a mistake, the attackers can start chasing Annalotta and Sven. Annalotta spots the first difference. Africa is at a different angle on their version, which earns them the first 500 euros. Philip manages to complete an eighth row on the memory game. He is by far the best person in this group at the memory game, unsurprisingly, given that he's about 10, 15 years older than anyone else in the cast. He probably does these things for fun. <laughs> yeah, he hires parkour people to paint dots at his home in Belgium. I mean, I can't really talk, given that I did genuinely get my latest subscription of a puzzle magazine today, one that most elderly people would buy, mainly because I'm on a proper puzzle streak at the moment. But I can make the jokes about Philip being old and doing more puzzles than I do, right? This is how it's going to work. <laughs> so they then find the second painting, which is the one of someone with a bird on their shoulder. Philip loses his game after 10 rounds, and the chaser has to spray their white hoodies with a spray can to eliminate them from the game. Leonard then takes over for the second round of the memory game with a second attacker. The chaser sneaks up on them. He's in the same warehouse now, hiding behind a pillar. Leonard loses after six rounds, and the second chaser gets released. If Sven hits an attacker, then the attacker has to return to the memory game. One of them, however, tries to find a different way in through the window above Annalotta's painting. It's time to play some tag. <laughs> it is very ultimate tag, isn't it? It's very, very ultimate tag, especially the way that the parkour people dance around on their feet and doing random flips that are completely unnecessary. Given that when they filmed this, Ultimate Tag would have just about finished. And I think we are two of the only people in the entire world to have actually seen Ultimate Tag, which, unsurprisingly, I don't think Fox have recommissioned. Not that I've heard yet. Ah, uh, yeah, somebody, um, one of the, who are they? I'm trying to think of, who do they call the attackers? Taggers. Taggers, yes. Yeah, one of the taggers was saying that they weren't sure if it was coming back or not. It wasn't like a definitive no or anything like that. Fox is pretty desperate, though. I mean, they they still kept The Simpsons on, and The Simpsons has really low ratings. <laughs> and, mu and much more expensive to produce. So, Sven manages to keep them at bay long enough for Annalotta to circle a second 500 euro score. However, Philip loses his memory game after seven rounds and a third attacker gets released. The third one is the painting of a young girl. Anna Lotter is sure that the pattern on her hoodie is wrong. They waste enough time that the attackers congregate in the hallway, but Sven is a crack shot and sends one of them back to the memory game. Yasmin then loses the memory game after five rounds and the third attacker is released again. Anna Lotter spots a mistake, but both get eliminated before they manage to spray the difference. The other three have to choose one pair to go back in. The last person will get a special roll later. They pick Philip for the special role, so Lennart and Yasmin are sent in. Lennart gets the gun, and Yasmin this spray can. So they find their first painting straight away, and Yasmin is very quick to spot the difference, the man on the pink man being the wrong way round. The second one is the kiss between Brezhnev and Honecker. The difference is that the glasses are on the wrong man. Philip loses the memory game on round 8, and the chaser is released. Lennart basically tells her that the answer is the glasses are on the wrong person, and they move on with another 500 euros. Their third one is the yellow man. Leonard manages to shoot the chaser. 
then makes a mistake after seven rounds, so another chaser gets released. Yasmin spots the mistake on this one, which is a missing belt. And they head to the final picture, which is the one of a car. Sven loses on round four, Philip loses on round six, and then Yasmin gets the last difference just as the attackers attack. They found six of the differences, so have earned 3,000 euros for the pot. Philip then gets the opportunity to enter the arena to find the final difference with the tablet in his hand. If he finds it, their money will be doubled, and they will get the full 6,000 euros on offer for the challenge. For this round, the attackers will not be playing a memory game against the contestants. Instead, they can leave when they literally play Ultimate Tag. <laughs> Lennart is the first to hide from an attacker, and he's pretty good at it, I'll be honest. He gets tagged after about a minute, just as Philip reaches the painting. Sven is next up, and he says he refuses to pull a muscle during this challenge. The chaser slips when trying to pursue him, and he does eventually catch Sven, and Philip tags something just as the first chaser reaches him. He circled the open window, but Gilles reveals it was wrong, and it was actually the hoodie cords, as Anna Lotta said earlier. And that earns them 3,000 euros of 6,000 for the challenge. How do you think you would have played this as a mole, this challenge? I guess try to... Maybe we could just do the classic Yan strategy, just to waste time on details that are completely irrelevant to the challenge. That might be a good way to do it. I don't know whether the mole would do much in this challenge, because I would assume that the mole will know what's coming at the end of the episode and, and probably think, well, the more money that's in the pot, the more money I can get away with spending, potentially. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do try to play this one as a contestant if they know they're going to waste 60% of the pot by the end of the episode. <laughs> it's like, well, we might be down to nothing by the end of this. So maybe I should try a little bit. So when they took their picture in the morning, a window was open, and Philip didn't look closely enough at the picture. This is kind of a cruel way to not get them to double the money. Because they do technically circle a difference between the original and what they see. It is, but the window isn't part of the painting. That's the loophole on this. Yeah. But that's kind of brutal, though, where it's like, well, you did spot, you did spot a difference... It's just not a graffiti difference. I'd have to go back to the wording. Was it? Did Jills actually say it has to be a graffiti difference, or did he just say spot the difference? It was a difference on the painting. Yeah. The exact wording was each piece has been put up in the arena around him with one change made to the piece, and they have to circle the difference to the piece in order to earn the money. So it's specifically the change that has been made that will earn them the money. Yeah, that would have me a bit miffed if I was a contestant where it's like, well, I did I did get the difference. I did get a difference. How was I supposed to know that that wasn't part of the painting? That's what we see. On the plus side, it does then give us a brilliant Jill DaCosta dick move here because not only does Jill tell them what the mistake they made was, he gives them the painting to put up in the loft and think about what they've done. Stare at this photo and learn about how graffiti works. I like that the, when the, the parkour attackers were coming at them, I was thinking, oh, are they actually going to tag them? But no, because it's still social distancing and COVID rules, they instead use spray, which I'm glad wasn't pepper spray. Because I thought that would have been hilarious just to see Sven get pepper sprayed by a parkour athlete. Ah, I should have done better defending that a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's still not brilliant for your health if you get sprayed in the face by spray paint. This can is full of asbestos. 
it's potentially better for you than COVID, but not by much. There is some interesting graffiti on the walls. At one point, I noticed the IRA was graffitied. I'm thinking, oh man, as if uh, the whole East Berlin, West Berlin split wasn't political, we get an IRA graffiti featured in this episode. There was actually a potential clue in this challenge, which I'll come to at the end of the episode, so remind me. There's something interesting that Bran tipped me off to that I do need to mention at the end of the episode. Do you think they could have done better at this challenge other than Philip's mistake? I mean, do you think anybody could have done better with defending with the paintball gun or memorize more than five rows like Yasmin did? <laughs> I think the the biggest issue for them came in Anna Lotta and Sven not getting that final painting because Anna Lotta knew what that difference was. She specifically said it was the hoodie cords. And Sven, it was as if he just ignored her. Sven was a pretty crack shot in that room, and then he just missed them. There's nothing else to say, he just missed in the end. So, they eat their dinner at Family Quan Restaurant, which I recognise because it was just down the street from where I stayed. Sven doesn't have his notes, but he does correctly remember the value of the pot in his role not as treasurer, but as bookkeeper. So different. <laughs> it's a massive difference. Sven will have no power over the challenges as bookkeeper, but as treasurer he might have done. And when they go to their diary room to do the confessionals, awaiting them is a pile of dossiers on their fellow candidates, just like the stars he produced in the DDR. If no one looks in the dossiers, they will earn 4,000 euros for the pot. If they do look in the dossiers, though, they need to make sure that they don't get caught, because in East Germany, betrayal was rewarded. They each get their own mole books on the desk, too, should they want to make any notes on the dossiers. Would you have opened a dossier? I don't think I would have, because the group was very insistent about swearing on the cheese, and I would be too paranoid that there was something recording. I was, I was thinking when they were all going in there, I'm thinking... There's going to be a way for them to find out who looked at the dossiers. I think I would just be too scared to look because then the rest of the group's going to hate me and then the last five or six days of the game is not going to be too fun. It's a bit different to say being Bart's position where you screw over the group in the very first challenge because you have so much time to make everyone like you again. But to do it right before the end of the game, that's not going to be a fun atmosphere for the last five or six days. I think it depends on what your reputation is in the group. Because if you're someone like Philip, they're going to suspect that you opened it anyway. So depending on how confident you are, because all we've heard from Philip in the past few weeks, say the last four episodes, is I know exactly who the mole is, I'm going all in on them, no doubt whatsoever. And then he, he wavers here, he's not confident. So that says to me that it's more bravado than anything that Philip is saying those things. But Philip's reputation seems to be he's gonna do this which then gives cover for everyone else doing it i think well even Annalot says man leonard i can't believe you wager ten thousand. i mean I'm, don't get me wrong i'm still pissed philip did it but him looking is the surprise of the century <laughs> or they're just completely sarcastic about philip looking into the dossiers philip is essentially the mole's meat shield here for this challenge i think because the mole has has free reign to either open the dossiers and cost them 4,000 euros immediately, and then get all the blame put on Philip, even if Philip hasn't done it himself. Or they can not open the dossiers and potentially bid more than 4,000 euros for the information of who it was. So 
I think depending on your reputation, it should entirely dictate whether you open a dossier or not. Because if you're someone who is trusted by the group and you don't think you need the information, you don't open a dossier. If you're someone who's trusted by the group and you aren't confident in your mole, you open the dossier, but you have to hope that Philip also does to deflect the attention away from you doing it. Because you're never going to get suspected while Philip is in that group. Yeah, because whoever bids is just going to assume it was Philip who did it and take a look at him. It would have been far more interesting, though, if Philip hadn't looked, and then everyone is just thinking, what the hell, who looked at the dossier? How the hell was Philip the trustworthy one in this challenge? I would say that this trust really between everybody was sown at the bunker game. So you think back to the bunker game, Philip and Yasmin were trying their best to lie and trick each other, and then we fast forward four episodes later, and they're the two who try to trick each other and look into the dossiers. And the funny thing is, nobody nobody ever finds out Yasmin even looked, even after she's executed. Now, I'm very interested when we watch the reunion to see whether that's brought up or not, because I suspect there may be a little bit of bitterness towards Yasmin as a result of that, given that she was very much a driving force in the bunker, to cost them the 5,000 euros by the end, and then she was also a driving force to cost them 4,000 euros here, regardless of what Philip did. Makes you wonder if Leonard would have bid even more if he knew that Yasmin had looked in the dossier too. Because <laughs> that would be qu- quite interesting if you go into the room and, and Jill says, oh, by the way, two out of the other four people look at the dossiers. You have a 50-50 shot at picking the right person. I do have to say, as much as I'm going to slightly defend the end twist of this with the betrayal in it being thematically really fun, I don't know whether they needed it. I think this on its own is probably a strong enough twist. I'm not sure what you'd do for the betrayal as a result of it. I certainly don't think you'd let them bid from the pot. But I think doing this twist and saying, you can't have your mole books all the time that we're filming this episode... But there is the option for you to stop the group getting the money for not opening mole books if you have a look at these dossiers. And it's always the dilemma that they like to do in the American version with the dossier on the mole or $75,000 or whatever it was that, that they did at the end of mole 5, and I know they like doing occasionally. And mole 2, yeah. They did that in the mole 2 where it was 100000 100, US dollars to look in the dossier or not. And it was the mole who said... No, I'm going to add $100,000 to the bot. The debate with that sort of stuff is, is the information going to be good enough to be worth that amount of money? I would argue, given it's the same penalty basically for opening one dossier's fall, I would argue €4,000 is probably worth it. Given that Analot spent €5,000 on Passbrighton? Exactly, because there's got to have been an actual clue to the mole in, in the mole's dossier. Surely there would have been something in there, and they just didn't show it us because it would have been blatantly obvious who it is. On the other hand, if you're faced with $75,000 or $100,000 for information that probably only gets you one or two questions on the final test, as I think happened in US 5, and I also think potentially would have happened in US 2 as well, I think Mark's advantage was only about one or two questions over Nicole. It was one question, there was just one line in there. I'm not sure that's worth seventy-five dollars to $100,000. No, that's why at the end of Mole 5 in the US, they said, eh, we're just going to round up the pot an extra few thousand dollars. Because they were definitely expecting 
whoever to arrive first at, at the $75,000 into the pot. Yeah, the question for me would always be, is the information worth the value? And it's something we've come back to again and again and again this season, is what is the value of a pass frog? What is the value of an exemption? What is the value of information? I would argue that having information that no one else does on the mole for basically the price of a thousand euros is going to be worth it. What's funny is that one of the two two people who did look is executed this episode. <laughs> the thing is, we don't know how many she looked in. We only saw her look in one. Maybe just the person she absolutely suspected then. And the potential value per dossier is as low as 1% of the maximum part of the season. Because the maximum part is usually somewhere around €100,000. So it's only €1,000 for a dossier. I would probably lean towards doing it, but making sure my reputation beforehand was good enough that I could get away with it. Yeah. And I do have to say, from an art point of view, I love the fact that they went all in with the theming of this episode, down to stuff like the VCR quality mole logo, going into the ad break. That was a beautiful touch. Yeah, and the film reel, and the fact it was in a bunker, and the old school typewriter, and the dossiers look like they're straight out of 007 Goldeneye. We have a lot of praise for this sort of stuff in Belgium, and I'm going to say it again. They know exactly what they're doing. They are the best at what they do in the world. I have so much praise for little touches like this. It doesn't really cost them anything to do it, but it's just really sneaky, funny, and smart at every opportunity. And it's one of the multitude of reasons that Belgian Mole is the best version of this show. And I'm obviously setting us up to then start pitching about the Beb spending €10,000 very soon. So Leonard says that they agreed not to open anything, but he can't trust anyone, and he's very tempted to open it. Yasmin says afterwards that she didn't want to be the only person not to look. Sven goes for his guts and for the €4,000, but he doesn't want to be eliminated because he didn't look. And then they all grill each other as Yasmin pours cosmopolitans to everybody, and they're like, are you drowning in your own guilt? <laughs> I do quite like the fact that we learned this episode that apparently Yasmin is a bit of a pisshead and makes four or five cosmopolitans a night, and we've never seen this before. We've had no indication of the fact that she makes that many cocktails every night, but we get it twice here. We get it in this scene, and then I think in her eulogy at the end, it's like, oh, she really loved cosmopolitans. She had no idea how to make them, and she made them very, very alcoholic. But she loved a cosmopolitan. Yeah, she was a drunk co-pilot. <laughs> she was very hungover during that challenge, apparently. And then when Philip comes back, it's as if everyone knew that he looked. Because then, because Philip asks, oh, did you look, Sven? He's like, oh, yeah, I looked. And Philip's like, oh, you're a jerk. And Sven's and Sosa says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding, but I'm, but I'm pretty sure you looked. <laughs> Philip's like, I don't have to look. I already have a ton of information. Hmm, Philip? It is very interesting, actually, that usually when they do something like this, you can't tell what the order was that they actually filmed it. You can tell it in this challenge because of them returning to the room, but they still aired the final two out of order. I think it's Sven and Philip. We see Sven's last, but then Philip actually returns to the room last. Well, it was, it was, I thought it was Leonard first, then Yasmin, then Sven, then Philip, then Anna Lott. It's definitely the last two that they air out of order. Let me have a look. Because it pretty much ends as soon as Anna Lott finishes, because then we get ushered into the 16th day. So the way that it's introduced to us is Leonard, then Yasmin, 
Sven is third. So Lennart, Yasmin, then Sven. And then, yeah, Philip and Anna Lotta are aired out of order. Because we see Philip first, but Anna Lotta returns to the room first. I don't know. I've noticed that. Probably because they didn't grill Anna Lotta at all. <laughs> yeah, it's something I was watching out for because we don't usually get an indication of what order these are filmed in. Usually when they film something like this, the mole will go last, Gilles will be chatting to them and just giving them information on what everyone else did. But we don't get that this time, obviously. Severin says they didn't open the dossier or write anything down. If that's true, they earn 4,000 euros. But Gilles questions whether it is. They wake up on day 16 in Berlin, and we get a lot more attention on Izzy in this episode, setting us up for Izzy's eventual challenge of him pushing the button. Yasmin and Lennart find mail outside the door when they return to the flat. The letter says that one of the pioneers of flights, Otto Leontal, was German. He even made a 15-metre high heel in Berlin for his attempts to fly, one of which was fatal. Today they are celebrating him, Gilles is looking for three people who want to stay on the ground, and two who wish to take flight. I must say, before we get to the challenge, that whatever challenge is going to involve Isidore, I don't think is going to be successful, considering they had to carry Isidore for most of the walk. Like, if Isidore can't even walk more than 50 feet... I'm kind of nervous about their success rate in the upcoming challenge. (laughs) I said this to you earlier. I think the fact that we keep getting it drummed into us how much people have paid for advantages and stuff may come back. And Izzy's challenge could be something like the 16,000 euros on the line. This is what you spent for advantages this season. If Izzy pushes that button within a minute, you can have that 16,000 euros. Or it's like a timer that keeps going down. Yeah. Maybe that was the lesson from Greece. Maybe they weren't happy with how much money Bart took away at the beginning that they said, well, in case people spend too much on advantages throughout the game, maybe we should give back some of the prize money. Skipping to the end of the episode, obviously doing this, but the fact of the matter is, Leonard is my number one suspect still, and it would make a lot of sense if they turned around to Leonard before the season and said, no matter what, you need to spend a lot of money here, because that will then be the prize money for the the dog pushing the button challenge. It would also make a lot of sense because, assuming it's going to be about €100,000 as a maximum part, the next two episodes can only have a maximum value of €25,000. This episode had 15. So there cannot really be many challenges that are above €5,000 in terms of value here. And it would make a lot of sense if there is then a, a separate prize part where it's like, this is the money that you've spent this season on advantages, but there is a chance that you can have it back. And also, it would make a lot more sense given that they're on 7,600 euros by the end of this episode. I mean, that's sub checkier. The fact of the matter is that the pace they're going at the moment, they're probably going to get like 15,000 euros. And that would be the lowest Belgian pot by about 10,000 euros. So, Sven and Philip quickly volunteer to stay on the ground due to them hanging in a tent in a storm off a cliff a few days ago. And Anilosa also volunteers to stay on the ground, leaving Leonard and Yasmin to be the ones in flight. Would you have volunteered to do the flying challenge? I think it would be the more appealing challenge for it being something extreme, so yeah, I'd probably want to do it. Yeah, I don't know what they would have done, because they kind of did the two classic heights challenges, not knowing, obviously, that it's the flight simulator challenge. They kind of did the, the two classic heights challenges last season, with the bungee jump and the skydive. So I don't know what they would do, especially in a pandemic, in Berlin. I don't know what they thought they were going to do, put it that way. 
Yeah, I, don't, I think that's why the groups were fairly random. <laughs> I think that's why people, why Sven and Philip also volunteer to stay on the ground because they're like, yeah, we just don't know what's going to happen if we have to be forced to go into the air. <laughs> so Sven, Philip, and Annalotta arrive at a former military airport in East Berlin. Gilles tells them that Lennart and Yasmin will be flying a Boeing 737 from Berlin Tegel to Brussels in a simulator. Are they going to have to like bomb Brussels? Is that was that the original idea? Fly from East Berlin to send a bomber into Brussels? No, the idea was to be the first people ever to take a picture of the atomium. <laughs> they had a camera on the front of the seven three seven. That was the plan. And their German instructor gives them a lot of advice, but won't tell them who is going to be pilot and who would be first officer. And there are a whole lot of instructions for them to memorize. You know who would have done really well at this challenge? Um, Denzel Washington. I was going to go Axel, actually. <laughs> I mean, friend of the podcast Axe probably would have done rather well with this challenge, given he's a pilot. At least you'd hope so. Yeah, if he failed that, he really he, he would really hope his employer isn't watching. It reminded me of like the KFC simulator from Community. <laughs> so all the instructions that they'll need to fly to Brussels are in the hangar behind Jill, and he tells Sven, Anna, Lotter, and Philip not to waste too much time, because... The plane is taking off in 15 minutes. And the hangar doors close and they find lots of paper planes hanging from the ceiling with the instructions to take off written on two of them. Philip finds the first one with 13 minutes left. However, he only finds one of the two. In an emergency, Lennart and Yasmin can ask for advice from the control tower, but a money clock will start descending as soon as they start communicating. Sven finds the real first sheet, which is to turn the engine on. And then Mole 737 is taken to the runway... Lennart is instructed, just as most people are on Logan's OnlyFans, to thrust as required. I like how most of this challenge is in English. I, I, I've noticed that there's been a lot more English used this season than any other season. Well, with planes, English is the, the worldwide language of the skies, I think. Yes, there's a whole story to it, because what was it? there was crashes with Korean flights, I think, with like the Korean pilots, and they realized that if they train them using, if everyone got trained using only English, then there was far fewer crashes. I'm pretty sure if you want to be a commercial pilot, you do have to speak fluent English, no matter where you are in the world. Yes, that is just, yeah, because everyone gets trained in English now. Because they said there was the communicate, I can't remember the exact details, but there was something where they found the Korean pilots did a lot better when they were using, when everyone was speaking English. Does flying a plane appeal to you, out of interest? Not a real plane. <laughs> Unless I was doing an airplane parody from uh, from the 80s. <laughs> I've always thought it would be very interesting to try and learn to fly. It's really expensive to, to have lessons and stuff, but I think it would be really cool. Yeah, my uncle is a pilot, actually. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've, I've just always thought that it would be uh, it would be actually quite cool to, to learn to fly a plane. I mean, that's such a cool brag, right? Like, oh... What can you do? Eh, you know, I was a basketball player. Well, screw you. I can fly a plane. Exactly. It's the ultimate thing when you're on a, a TV quiz show and they go, what do you do in your spare time? And you just go, yeah, I fly a plane occasionally. Just for fun, really. <laughs> Whenever I feel like it. I just invite like a hundred of my friends on board and we just fly across the Pacific. I just take a plane out for, for a quick kind of Sunday drive occasionally just to keep me uh, keep, keep me on my toes, basically. Keep me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> it is the ultimate humble brag, isn't it? 
And then uh, they get to Yasmin or, or Leonard on the game show, and they're like, oh, what are you doing in your spare time? Oh, I crash planes. I, I mean, or, or rather, I fly planes. They just don't reach their final destin their intended destination, but I do fly planes. I mean, as with most things, I do think about these things in the context of what will get me on a quiz show next, and I kind of feel like putting I fly planes for fun in the hobby section would probably get your foot in the door a little bit. It would get people talking to you. But yeah, genuinely, outside of a, a quiz show, it it would be very cool, I think, to, to learn to fly a plane. I think I would be absolutely terrified, but I think it would be really cool. Yeah, maybe after flying this plane, uh, Leonard and Yasmin will be accepted to Slim Demence. I highly doubt that. <laughs> I highly doubt that we are going to see Yasmin or Leonard, on the strength of this challenge alone, be invited to, to Slim Demence in the next year or so. <laughs> One of the people in this cast will probably get invited anyway, because it seems to be tradition now. But I highly doubt, based on their performance in this challenge, that either of them would get the call. I mean, there's a lot of turbulence showing at them, though. I mean, engines lit on fire. The plane went upside down. There's a storm. There was a blackout. They got kicked in the face. There was a crying baby that was brought into the cockpit. There were so many obstacles they had to overcome. Do you think the mole would want to go in the plane or or in the bunker? Uh, that's a, well, with the bunker, it was easier to sabotage and pass it off like you just suck at whatever you're doing. Like with throwing paper airplanes. I suck at throwing paper airplanes. But if so, if the mole got really good at it, they could keep throwing it to the same, you know, those same four squares to make sure that the pilots had to call the tower and just be like, oh no, oh, I keep throwing this to the left, but I keep hitting these squares to cause turbulence. Oh no, I keep, I keep doing it. Knowing full well they can throw it through the center hole to get fuel whenever they want. And then when they had to make their own glider, Sven and Philip just couldn't do it at all, and Analot was the only one who was able to do that task. So it's like, well, you could just say that only one out of three people will know how to freaking work a paper glider. I think this is one of the rare challenges where there's an argument to be made for either side for the mole to be on. Because in the plane, obviously, you have direct control over whether you earn any money. You can literally just accidentally tank it. And I suspect if the mole was on that side, they probably had been in a simulator before. Because given that we know Axe is a pilot, for example... I would put money on Brussels Airlines, for example, having a simulator somewhere in Brussels. So I wouldn't be surprised if at the reunion we saw that the mole had had a little flying lesson in there. In the bunker, you can just, as you said, keep throwing things in the wrong place to make sure they don't earn fuel. Because all three of you have to get the bullseye for you to be able to complete the flight. They did not have enough fuel, even with two of the three of them getting the bullseye, they didn't have enough fuel to breach Brussels. Yeah, and for the pilot position, all you have to do is have one of them click one wrong button, and I'm sure it would have caused a crash, especially once they got close to landing. Yeah. So they do manage to take off on runway 26. The bunker team have another challenge to earn the fuel. They only have enough for about 20 minutes of flying. They have to throw paper airplanes through a ring in the air. If they miss and go through one of the surrounding four boxes, a problem will arise in the cockpit. And they have to make their own aeroplanes, which now makes this the second origami challenge in the season. Yasmin takes over the steering, and she does it so crooked that the simulator starts shouting at her about it being a bank angle. 
The hangar team argue about the best aeroplane model. Sven wants to go basic, but Philip swears by one from his childhood. And then Sven throws first and misses. They have to make a new paper aeroplane for each attempt. Philip manages to get his through the traffic box, and the pilots have to descend. They decide to ask the tower for help as to how to descend. The clock runs down as long as they're connected to the tower, and it costs them 300 euros. Philip then again manages to hit the blackout box. They connect to the tower again, who advises them to reset the generator, which costs them another 300 euros. Sven manages to hit Heavy Storm, the fuel tank is as good as empty now, and they begin forcibly descending. Then Sven manages to get it in the bullseye, and they can keep flying, however they are reaching the eye of the storm. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because if you know anything about storms, if you're in the eye of the storm, that's actually not too bad, it's the surrounding areas that are a problem. They made a joke about that on The Simpsons where Homer steps out during the tornado, he's like, oh, everything's clear, everything's good weather. And then Lisa has to yell at him, saying, you're in the eye of the tornado, get back in the bunker. I don't want to get above my station and try and pretend I'm the new Dan Peake who did a degree in meteorology. In fact, I think he's a doctor of meteorology. But I'm pretty sure you're reasonably safe in the eye of the storm. It's the surrounding areas that are the dangerous bits. The most disturbing quote during all of this, when they were throwing paper airplanes, was after Philip had thrown it to the left 20 times in a row. They're like, why do you keep throwing it to the left? And then Philip says, I have left-leaning equipment. I'm like... That's not something I want to know about the oldest contestant in the cast. That is not something you want to hear Philip say. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to hear he has left leading equipment. So then they do manage to reset the generator and call the tower again, who tells them to maintain their height and speed, basically, and it costs them 200 euros. You know what really made me question if if Leonard and Yasmin were going to succeed? In the middle of flying the plane, Leonard looks out the one window and he's like, oh... There's a dinosaur-shaped cloud. <laughs> and he makes Yasmin look at it. He's like, look, it's a dinosaur. I haven't told you what this week's banner is yet, but it is Lena in the cockpit looking terrified when he's trying to take off. Because his reactions when he's trying to take off are so funny. He's just constantly kind of, uh, 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 that it, it did just really make me laugh. And I do have to do a non-Sven banner occasionally. I have a horrible feeling Sven's probably going to get it next week, especially if we get a picture of him hanging off a building. Something tells me that if Sven is hanging off a building, we're going to have another unenthusiastic Sven banner next week. So Anna Lotta hits the bullseye and gets another barrel of fuel. They have almost enough to make it to Brussels. Then Philip manages to get the fourth and final problem for them, an engine fire. They immediately ring the tower again, which costs them €500 this time. Philip finally, after about 50 attempts, hits the fuel circle and gets them enough to reach Brussels. And Jill specifically says that the others can now no longer cause them disaster. All the bunker group have to do now is find the landing instructions. All they've got to do to do that is build a paper glider and pilot it through a course using an instructional video. Yasmin and Lennart reach Belgian airspace and begin their descent into Brussels airport without any instructions. Annalosa gets by far the closest and they decide to just keep her on the glider. If it doesn't get to the end, they can always ring the tower, but that will cost them a lot of money this time. And she does complete the course in the nick of time and they get the final instructions. Yasmin is then put in charge of reducing speed. However, she cannot reach the pedals. They're flying too low, start hitting trees, and come down in a forest in a literal blaze of glory. They were only a few hundred metres from Zaventum, Brussels airport, and they earn nothing of 5,000 euros for the challenge. And then Gilles meets them all at the site where the elimination will be happening that evening. First, though, he does need to speak to them all individually. Yasmin is first up. She says she's nervous about doing the test with no ball book, Sven tells him that the dossiers were tempting, and he doesn't ask whether they looked at the dossiers, just whether they suspect that someone else did. Anna Lotter immediately says yes, even before he finishes the question, 
and he confirms to them all that the dossiers were looked at, meaning they earn nothing of 4,000 euros for the challenge. He says that the deception is all on film. If they didn't look last night, they can bid on one of the videos with money from the group pot. If they're the highest bidder, the film they choose will be shown, and if they pick correctly, they will win an exemption, but the money will be taken from the pot. Gilles confirms that bids were made, and a lot of money was bid. And Bart would have had an absolute field day with this. Bart would have bet the entire pot. Yeah, it's a good thing he wasn't in in the final five of this group. As much as I love Bart, he wants to be there at the end. He doesn't particularly want the money. So he would have bid 17,600 and I would put money on that. How much money would you put on it? Would you also put 17,600 euros on that? I would put 17,600 euros of their money on it, yeah. Because it's not my money to bet. (laughs) Anna Lotta bid 2,000 euros. Sven bid 7,600, to which I actually have the note. He really is the new Bart. But someone bid 10,000 euros. That someone was Lennart. How much did Anna Lotta bid? I was trying to look at it on screen. 2,000. She bid 2,000. Sven bid 7,600. And Lennart bid 10,000. Sven probably thought he had the bid one with 7,600. You'd hope so. <laughs> he was really, yeah, he's like, man, I feel like a real jerk for doing this. I couldn't imagine somebody bidding more than 40% of the pot. This came up on the Bothers Bar Discord yesterday. Do you think that someone could have bid the entire pot and then chose to see their own film to therefore stop anyone being able to outbid them and stop the money coming out of the pot? I guess so. I don't know whether Gilles specifically said you have to choose someone else's film or not. Maybe you can't choose your own. You can choose somebody. So I guess a good strategy would have been bid the pot, make sure you're the one who gets to choose, and pick the one person who you're pretty much certain didn't look in the dossier. Granted, it is a bit risky to do that. It's risky, but it is a great way to stop the mole taking lots of money out of the pot. Yeah. I think you might, you may, that, that might be the mistake the other two made is that they didn't think of that strategy when they were making their bids. So Leonard was the winning bidder. He chooses to watch Philip's film because, of course, Philip is obviously going to be one who cheated. If he's correct, he'll win the exemption, but 10,000 euros will come out the pot. If he's wrong, nothing will change at all. Philip did indeed look in the folder, meaning Leonard earns an exemption and the pot drops by 10,000 euros. I like how Anna Analot asks Sven, so how much is the pot at now? And then Sven just pauses and says, it's not hard to figure out. <laughs> it's 17,600 minus 10,000. So just take away that first one. How much would you have bid, do you think? Would you have gone for the entire pot? Do you think you would have worked out that, that trick? Probably in the moment, probably not. Maybe I would have. I probably would have put up a smaller bid like Gamalot did because it's like I don't want to lose all this money. <laughs> I think you kind of assume if you're not the mole that someone's going to bid high. So you probably have to think, well, I need to bid high and at least be in control of this, if nothing else. I think I would have bid quite high on this. Well, Sven bid quite high. I'm sure Bet Sven thought he had it won. I'm not talking about kind of Bart high where you go. What's the maximum? I don't care, keep it going. I would have stopped at 25,000 or whatever he said to us last year. I think it was 25, he said. But I think you have to try and do a calculated bid to make sure you're the highest. If you're going for it, you've got to go for it. And then you you do have the decision of whether you want to cost yourself an exemption but keep the money in the pot if you're confident, or whether you want to 
try and win yourself an exemption and guarantee your spot in the final four. I think Jill's made everybody make their bids as quickly as possible before they could outwit the challenge. Yeah, because the value of a prize telling is obviously much higher than the value of a pass throwing. Especially at final five. Yeah. There's no question in my mind that you would probably be very tempted by a rice telling, but I don't know whether you would empty the pot just to get one. I'm very curious what would have happened if this was in the if this challenge was in the next episode. How much the how much those wagers would have been if they knew they only had one episode left to make any of the money back. They would have been high bids, I think, especially with Sven there. So that means that they earn minus seven thousand euros of fifteen thousand for the episode and seven thousand six hundred of seventy five thousand for the season so far. Uh, this is one of the most bitter scenes I think I've ma- I've seen in Belgian mall. Anna Lotta is furious at both Philip and Leonard. Philip yeah. for betraying the group and Leonard for costing them so much money. I think for Anna Lotta she was. Mad at Philip, but expected that from him. But she did not expect that wager from Leonard. And it was sort of like Leonard's revenge, where he says, Well, Analot, you spent five grand on Passfragon. Yasmin, you screwed up the bunker challenge and took money for Passfragon as well. Philip, we don't even have to start with all the crap you've pulled for yourself. So it's like Leonard saying, I'm going to punish all of you for screwing up so frequently over the last little while since the start of the game, and the fact that I stuck to my word to not look in the dossier, but at least one of you didn't. Because Leonard was pissed off about Analot being angry with him, like, well, I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for you guys just being as equally ruthless to the pot as well. Yeah, bear in mind that because of their advantage spending in this season, they have cost themselves... 21,000 euros. This part could have been 28,600, regardless of any mole sabotages, if they hadn't done what they did. They have actually basically earned over a third of the maximum part. It's just people keep spending that money. People are very loose with their advantage money. Well, we saw dating back to the Bunker Challenge that this was a group that was willing to sacrifice a lot of money to trick each other. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see whether that 21 grand is going to come back as the Izzy Challenge, as I suspect. I'm usually wrong on these suspicions, for the record. I think it would be logical, especially as we are reminded of it with Lennart's excuse here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they made it pretty clear in Greece that even if you have somebody cost a group 10,500 euros at the start of the game, that that money doesn't necessarily get to come back. I mean, if this was V is the mole, we also learned in V is the mole that the money doesn't come back. And you could argue, given that V is the mole has a far lower prize pool, typically, that they lost an equivalent percentage of their money, or close to it, I guess. And they never saw those 5,000 euros again. I think in a couple of weeks when we talk about the reunion in the season as a whole, it will be very interesting to have a discussion about how much production ideally want the pot to be at. So what's the average pot been, like 30,000 euros? Yeah, it's between about 25 and 30 is the average of the past few years, I think. Since Argentina? Yeah. They usually hover between about 25 and 35. For this group to make it above 25 grand, they would have to win potentially 18,000 of 25,000 euros in the next two episodes, assuming that there is no monetary payback. 
So it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Leonard is immune as a result of his 10,000 euro spend. Philip says the information was useful. Taking off is easy, but they didn't double check anything with the tower when in the plane, which was suspicious. Yasmin says she can't believe that Anna Lossary is the mole, but she can't overlook the fact that the hoodie cords weren't circled. Sven says it was obvious that Anna heard things, and it doesn't escape his attention that Philip had another key position and another screw-up. He suspects that Philip may have learnt at home how to throw a paper plane to the left. Anna says that Philip comes across like a hero, but mould 3,000 euros away in the graffiti challenge. And Leonard says that he's not the best test taker, so he needed the exemption this week. At the execution, Jill's basically like a disappointed father with them at this point. Sven gets a green screen, but it is Yasmin who gets the red one. Speaking of Leonard, is this his third time being immune? Yes. Impressive. That's quite the record. I don't think anybody in Belgian Mole's been immune three times. I can't think of anyone being immune three times now. Because they don't even have exemptions three times this season. So yeah, Yasmin went... And we said it last week, the one week we don't say that she's going, she does end up going. And she says that she gambled and lost, Jill says it's a bitter pill, and she was torn between two moles. And then Jill asks her, do you know who the mole is now? And she says, yep, I definitely know who it is now. The question is whether she does actually know who it is. <laughs> and then, in classic Jill DaCosta moment, he tells her, I wouldn't study to be a pilot if I were you. <laughs> we have such a soft spot for Jill, and it comes across in moments like this where genuinely he's being kind of a playful dick to these people and then leonard says i really i rarely saw her mad and i'm thinking actually yasmin was the only person in that room when leonard's got the exception where yasmin actually does turn to leonard and say i'm ha- i'm so happy for you she she did say that i don't think it was too much sarcasm to that statement Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Great job, Leonard. But it wasn't the same as Anawata and Sven, who were looking to strangle Leonard on the spot. And then Philip, who Philip, who is just trying to stand there quietly because he's thinking, well, for once, everyone's not. I mean, this is kind of my fault, but everyone's not furious with me. I do love how in an episode one style, we end up seeing that she looked in the dossier still. And then that no one's going to know until they watch this episode, potentially. That's going to get brought up at the reunion, I think, of Yasmin managing to sneak past the fact that she, you know, did exactly the same thing Philip did. She's just less suspicious of a person. Imagine if she got executed with everyone knowing that she did look in the dossier. That goodbye speech by everyone else would be very, very different. It'd be like, good riddance. We expected Philip to do it, but you? Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, did you not see the bunker challenge? <laughs> she was maybe more competitive than Philip in that one. Yeah, or when they're trying to get the sp- the spicy food one, <laughs> trying to get the pass for item. Do you want to eulogize Yasmin, seeing as though we've had six weeks of her now? Uh, definitely the most under-edited person to make it to Final Five, I would say. I mean, we learned quite a bit about her this week with apparently almost being like a drunk, I guess. <laughs> Permanently sozzled, I think, is the uh, the technical term. And then we got to see her try to fly a plane where she had to be told what idle means. She's like, idle? What do you mean idle? How do we get the plane idle? I don't know what idle is. And she just had her moments here. She was surprisingly, 
a, a surprisingly ruthless player, and she's one of the few players who took a major secret with her past her execution. So next time, Lennart drops into the parking, and a lot of sneaks. There is a fairy tale theme challenge, which I can't wait for already. Because if there is something that I want Belgium all to do in Germany, it's going to be a Grimm's fairy tale theme challenge. In the same way that they did all the Greek fables last year, there's something very Belgian mole about all the Hansel and Gretel and stuff. Philip kicks some lingerie, and there is a last execution after they sit around a campfire. I want to also point out with Yasmin's departure that Philip does say, I was surprised she didn't break the group's agreement after she tricked me during the bunker game. So it shows you how it shows you how confident they are that Yasmin didn't look into the dossiers. So in the first suspicions list, two people, Femke and Antonio, lost their number one suspect this week thanks to Yasmin's departure. Mark Doyle and V had her at number 11, and she was five people's bottom suspects remaining. Lennis is still number one at 1.82 out of four. Then Sven, 2.56. Philip, 2.62. And Annalotta at three. Sven and Philip are more suspected by me and you than the group as a whole. The lowest possible score on the tiebreaker is now 10. Impressively, the current leader is Holgermatt with 13 points. He's only three off the potential minimum. The average is 21.23. Logan has a score of 23 and I have 18. In our pool, Logan loses his 14 member in Yasmin, leaving him with just Sven. My team is still Anna Lotta, Lennart, and Philip. Mr. Saunders, who is your number one suspect? I would say Lennart, because I think just the way he bid the 10,000 and just the new to look at Philip's uh, footage, it almost seemed like an over the top tactic to try and deflect suspicion. But all it did was make him seem more suspicious to me. Where it's like, well, last year we had Bart, who wasn't the mole, pull off that 10,500 heist. And this time thinking, hmm, just the way he knew, it's almost as if he knew for sure that Philip was going to look. I'm sure other people were suspecting it too. But it's just a too, it's too convenient of a way for the mole to sabotage. I also think it's Leonard, but I will caveat it by saying, if it is Leonard, I'm not entirely happy about a mole doing what Leonard did in that challenge. It doesn't entirely sit well with me that the mole can have the opportunity to over half the pot with only two episodes to go. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out if he is the mole. And I say that fully suspecting Leonard and having been on Leonard now for two weeks on the trot and had him in my top three or top two for six episodes on the trot. Going back to the pool, this is now the first year in three where we genuinely could have it where I win, not by default. The two sweetest words in the English language might be by default, but this is the first time that potentially you may not have drafted them all. (laughs) You have only your number one suspect in Sven left, and I'm not being gloaty or anything. I'm just very proud of myself that I actually managed to potentially beat you. But you have one suspect left who was your number one, that was Sven. And if any of my three are the mole, I have drafted the mole for the first time in Belgian history. And you can no longer say you're good at this game. <laughs> um, who do you think is going to be the fourth placer? Are we going to have another all-male final three again so soon after Mexico? As much as I don't want to say it, I think I am going to lose someone next week. I think I'm going to lose either Philip or Anna Lossa. 
Yeah, it's going to be Philippa and Alatu going home. Just trying to figure out who. I'm going to feel really bad for this group if the Isidore challenges, if, say, Analot goes next week, and then the three guys are left with the Isidore challenge. Because I, I think they're going to want Analot to do the Isidore challenge. <laughs> I am leaning towards Philip going and Analotta being there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Analotta is our fourth placer. If Philip goes next week, pretty much my top three suspects for the season are going to be the final three, which does not help. Ideally, I would want Sven or Leonard to go, because I am very confident that it is one of those two people. (laughs) The maximum score we could have on our suspicions right now is 14, because we've done 14 suspicions this season so far. I still have 13 of my 14 left. You still have 10 of yours, of a possible 14. And that's only because all three of your first week ones had gone. Yeah, maybe it's going to be Philip going, but he's so damn confident. But then he looks at the dossiers too. Yeah, I feel like Philip is being set up for a fall and it's probably going to be our fourth placer. The final thing that I do have to mention, and I was leaving this till after we'd done our suspicions deliberately so it didn't affect you potentially, but there is a potential clue in the graffiti challenge. Because in the first kind of graphic with the one with the world where Africa was angled wrong. The circle that is done in graffiti apparently matches the one that Leonard did on a poster in the second round and also the one that was on his back thanks to the spray painter. So everything's just pointing towards Leonard's right now. Bran sent me this yesterday and I trust him but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it isn't a deliberate clue. But if it is a clue at the end of the season, I will happily say, well done to Bran, you did spot this. But I do have to bring it to the class's attention as a result. Have you anything else to say about this episode? No, I don't think so. I think we covered it, and I feel like we could have dove into the plane challenge somewhere. Oh yeah, Leonard's, that's another thing that Leonard cost the group on. I think I'm pretty confident he screwed up the piloting too. I think so too. I think they accidentally put the mole in a position of power there. And then the fact that he was the worst at memorizing the paint dots, too. That was another thing he really sucked at. Because I even wrote my notes, I bet you Leonard's not going to make it past the fifth row. What the hell happens with Leonard? He doesn't make it past the fifth row for the painting challenge. We have discussed this before. You should be able to remember at least five things. Yeah. Because Leonard and Yasmin both sucked at the memorizing the paint dots. And Yasmin was a co-pilot, too. And guess what? She's executed now, so it makes Leonard look that much worse. <laughs> So Leonard's did a lot, a lot, a lot of damage this week. I think if Leonard is the mole, and this is the final thing I'm going to say this episode, I think. I think if Leonard is the mole, we really have to have a discussion in a couple of weeks about whether we can separate Leonard being a good mole, because I think he still would be a good mole, versus him doing stuff like the 10,000 bid. Yeah, if he was a good mole, or if he was just too abusive to the group pot. Like, he, the mole has to... The, the, is it the first time ever where the mole sabotaged excessively? Like, what happens at the end of the season if, say, Leonard is revealed as the mole, but then it turns out that five people suspected him as the mole, because he was clearly the one who was sabotaging every chance. Because even before this episode, if you follow the money, Leonard's cost the group more than anybody. And certainly after this episode, he I don't think there's anyone even remotely close to him, considering he failed every chance he got, except maybe he defended with the paintball gun. That was his only bit of success this episode. 
yeah, we discussed this at the end of South Africa as to whether you can separate a really good season from a ropey mole. Not to say that Leonard would be a ropey mole. I don't actually think any of the four people left would be a bad mole necessarily. Maybe Philip. But Philip's the worst of the four options, but I think they all would be at least good moles. I just think it's going to be a very interesting discussion as to whether we can separate his potential to to sabotage excessively and whether that actually hampers the season or not. So, thank you for listening to our Demol Belgium recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for a brand new mole in Germany. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsupergwacky and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Natalia for the subtitles and we will see you next week for the penultimate episode of the season. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring.